Much of Canada's food production remains a mystery to most consumers, and pork is no exception. Pork production is, however, a significant contributor to the agricultural economy, representing 7% of total farm receipts. It's also worth noting that almost 60% of our production is exported. I thought given that, it would be worthwhile to talk to an expert who could give us an overview of the industry. My name is Mike Von Massow, and this is the Food Focus Podcast. In this episode, I talked to Ken McEwen, a production economist with a focus on competitiveness and profitability in swine production. He is also the outgoing director of the Ridgetown campus of the University of Guelph. Ken and I chat about the industry, its importance to Canadian agriculture, as well as some of the challenges and opportunities the industry is facing. Before I get to the conversation with Ken, I want to thank you again for listening. If this is your first time listening, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Our audience continues to grow and we appreciate it. If you enjoy the podcast, give us a review. If you have an idea for an episode, send us a note at foodfocus at uoguelph.ca, G-U-E-L-P-H, and we will consider it. But for now, let's go straight to the discussion with Ken. Well, Ken, thanks for taking the time to uh, come have a conversation with me. I think that Lots of people we know don't have a good understanding of how food is produced. And I thought it would be really interesting to have a have a conversation to hear a little bit about how pork is produced in this country and to let people sort of get kind of a, a basic understanding. So I couldn't think of anyone better to come to than than Ken McEwen. And so my first question is, can you give me kind of a, a layman's introduction to pork production? What does the system look like in Canada? Well, that's a great question. Um, I would say that the Canadian pork industry is globally focused. It's consolidated, uh, technology-driven, and indeed very complex. And when I say those things, I'll, I'll talk about the globally focused piece first. Canada is on the global stage is a small player in terms of global production. We're about 1.0% of the world. But in terms of global exports, we're 16%. And in this country, 68% of the of the pork that's produced is exported. And so we fit very well on the global stage. And so that global focus then means that we're competitors with the United States, the EU, and Brazil. And so this competitiveness really focuses the drive and the need for efficiency as we go through. It's big business in Canada, uh, pork production. The pork exports are, uh, in 2019 were about $4.2 billion in pork alone, let alone the five close to $500 million in live pig exports uh, to the U.S. So it's this global focus that is very, very important, which also means that we're also very dependent and very subjected to um, a global uh, foreign governments and changes in in government policies. The consolidation piece is also an interesting one because as you look at us, we're very integrated into the U.S. marketplace. And within Canada, we're about one-fifth or 15% of the North American market. And in Canada, pork production is split into three areas, mainly Western Canada, with Manitoba being a major player, about 24% of uh, Canadian production, Ontario about 25%, and then Quebec being the leader with close to 31. So very much it's uh, spread across Canada, 
and we are into this integrated North American market, and it just makes it for a very dynamic system. As a country, we represent about, we produce about 26.8 million pigs per year, and as I said, about 16% of it, or 68 of the global trade is us, and 68% of the pork is exported. Ontario itself, as you look at it, in terms of this consolidation, it, it is amazing to me to think that a mere 20 years ago, the number of producers that we had you know, were in the upwards of eight, 9,000, and today we're down to about 1,350 people who ship pigs or ship hogs, 2,500 farms that have pigs, but 1,350 that are ship market hogs. And with that consolidation, then we've certainly seen number of pigs on farms move from very small, maybe 500, to now close to 4,000, I think in 2015, close to about 3,800. The U.S. is, again, another cattle of fish because we're so integrated. Basically, 25 farm entities represent close to 38 to 40 percent of pork production. It is amazing that level of consolidation and integration in the U.S. system. You know, the complexity of it is something else that we often forget. In terms of the input suppliers, the producers, the transporters, the plants, the further processing, the retailers, the consumers, and consumer confidence, it's the complexity that's associated with our pork chain and the need and the drive for high-quality, low-cost uh, production. The other piece when I talk about the Canadian pork industry is I think of the technology, and this is something that is really changed as well. And in my lifespan, we've gone from hogs being raised on straw floors and poor ventilation and poor genetics and slow growth rates. Those things have changed dramatically. Adapted pretty much 95% all pigs now would be produced under AI. Feed conversions that are nearing close to 2.1 pounds of gain for every pound of feed. Sometimes within the grow finish stage, there'll be five different separate rations. So it's this, again, I think of this very complex technology-driven, globally-focused industry that, that we operate in with a heavy, heavy export demand and uh, strong uh, demand for, for the product that we produce. We're producing good product. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. So that was a, a great introduction, and, and I highlighted a couple of things that I thought were worth going into before we go to my, my next question. First, you talked about most of these pigs are now produced under AI. I just wanted to make sure that uh, everyone understood that that's not artificial intelligence, that's artificial insemination. So we're using specific genetics with these sows to produce an animal with more predictable traits. That's correct. That's correct, Mike. Yes. And the other point you made is, is I'm going to show my age a bit here, Ken, and, and say those of us who are my age maybe remember the uh, All Creatures Great and Small British TV show where we had these images of, you said, small numbers of pigs on a, uh, on a straw floor. We are now producing within specialized units. You said, I think, a smaller number of farms 1,800 farms, if I remember, ship market hogs, but that there are more farms that produce hogs at different stages of their life cycle so that you will have some people who specialize in producing 
baby pigs. And then you have people who produce wiener pigs and then so on, and then grow finished pigs so that you have farms that are good at a specific stage of that production. Absolutely. Very concentrated. And, and they'll have the, each, some of those farms will have different business models, as you've alluded. And so they, they'll be specializing in perhaps wiener pigs that are exported to the U.S. for to be put on perhaps uh, out of Manitoba that go down into Iowa for on to grow finished floors and then be slaughtered within packing plants there. There'll be early wean pigs that uh, will, uh, again, uh, normal weaning ages these days are 18 to 21 days, and they'll be weaned, and then they'll go off to a, a weaner stage uh, for about 50 days and then perhaps 100 days in a grow-finish barn. So very compartmentalized, very specialized, very focused uh, production systems. You also talked about our dependence on on export markets and and how important that is and how we are at the at the mercy often of changes in government policy and we we saw an example of that reasonably recently where for a short period of time uh, the Chinese government stopped accepting Canadian pork fortunately that stopped but that has a significant impact on the system in Canada Yes, it does. When we're so export dependent, uh, I think 68% of our production is exported. The U.S. being the number one marketplace, uh, representing about probably a third, 31%. But the next, right, is, is China. And then after that, Japan. And these are very important markets because we used to, each one of the markets has a different, takes a different product. And so, Japan tends to be a very high-end marketplace that's interested in the better cuts. Uh, Maybe that's perhaps uh, loins or hams, those sorts of things. Some of the lower cuts might go to uh, Mexico or some of those sorts of places. And China just takes everything. So it's uh, an amazing, as the world operates, countries specialize and need different sorts of products depending on what their tastes and and consumer demand is. And that's an important point because it means there's a challenge that we're not just selling pigs. We're not just selling pork. We're selling different cuts of pork and we have to manage the market for each one of those. And sometimes it goes into different domestic markets or or to different international markets. I think a lot of people don't think about sort of that the complexity as we take that carcass apart and come up with with different cuts that we have to find homes for all of those you know lots of people love bacon and ham but there are all of these other cuts that we we have to find a home for too which which is reflected in the complexity of that supply chain that's correct and and these different components then that make up the the total value of the animal and so when you're pricing it and when you're trying to compete against other countries, obviously cost of production and becomes an important piece. And your comparative advantage as to uh, how you sell yourself then is the quality and the, uh, the fact of how, to, well, how it was slaughtered and what it was fed, those sorts of things, and the stockmanship that went into it. So all very important pieces. And we often talk about story pork. Uh, story pork is um, discusses how the actual pig was was reared within Canada. The last point I want to get to before I get to my next question, I, th- these are sort of follow up questions. Is you made the point about 
farms getting bigger with larger number of hogs. But And you also just talked, I think, a very important point, stockmanship. The fact that we've gotten bigger isn't necessarily bad. It, part of that it allows us to be efficient and, and productive, but it also allows us to manage the health and the, the biosecurity of these animals much more effectively, that, that we're not in these dark basements of barns on straw floors anymore. We're in well-lit, well-ventilated, biosecure facilities that, that are producing healthy, happy hogs. Yeah, that's exactly true. And the skill set now to operate some of these large farms and to even the labor force that works in them is often specialized. So people that are very good uh, with sows, there's others that are very good with grow finish hogs. And so some of the labor becomes very specialized, very customized. And depending on their ability to keep records, their ability to notice things and to be able to work with the animals in a very collegial, polite kind of way so that to, uh, uh, very few other animals uh, um, respond to good stockmanship as well as, uh, as pigs do. And so we do think about how we interact with the animals, how we treat those animals, what those animals need. And I think that's a common, that's something that's not well understood is, is how engaged and interactive they are with those, with, with those pigs in the farm. Yeah, I think that um, you think of the skill sets that are needed in terms of being able to, just like we talk about uh, learning how to to read a, a river. If we were going fishing and we were going to go uh, fly fishing, we would talk about how to read a river. The same would be true with how we would read the sow herd. We would want to look at them and see how what's uh, going on with their feet and legs, what's going on, how are they interacting with each other, uh, listening for coughs, many things that would go into thinking about the well-being of that animal. And, and so it's reading the herd that becomes very focused and very, very important. Skill matters. I, I don't have as much experience in uh, in hog barns, but I remember when I used to work in the beef business, with th- these farm operators would talk about the value of a person who could really read cattle, who could identify just from the way they were holding their head that this one is likely to get sick, that we really sort of cater and anticipate these things reasonably well. And someone who's good at it is invaluable. Yes. And uh, it's not uncommon for, these are high skilled jobs now that uh, uh, demand expertise and it takes time in order to gain that expertise. And and even the, you know, in terms of the record keeping and understanding the different feed regimes and the different growth rates and keeping track of, you know, mating patterns and, and those sorts of things, it's, uh, it's very complicated and requires uh, uh, a special skill set. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what are some of the challenges that particularly producers but other players in the supply chain face? Well, I think the first one has to be we're so dependent on foreign export markets. So because we're uh, producing so much more pork than we consume domestically, then that makes us very vulnerable to foreign government policies, to foreign exchange rates. I think it also makes us vulnerable then to potential. I think of the years of countervail when we were 
you know, there was concern that Canada was subsidizing its pork production relative to the United States, and so there were countervailing duties. So these these sorts of things, these foreign policies, become important. And so, and then I, I would list maybe another challenge is just the shifts that we we're seeing in consumer demand with growth perhaps in China and perhaps more mature markets such as Canada or United States where things are slowing down. So these are the challenges by being, we're very good at pork production in our country and and have a relatively low cost of production relative to others and very productive, but then you're very vulnerable to uh, foreign markets and, and what's going on in the international marketplace. And despite that, I, I think you, if you talk to industry people, they say we'd like to grow those international markets. That's really the only way we're going to grow production in this country. Yeah, that's right. Because I think pork consumption in our country on a per capita basis really has been relatively flat the last decade in around the 22 kilograms per person, slightly more maybe a, a few years ago and slightly less than the 22 now. But it, it really, there hasn't been much growth. The only growth in, has been because we now have more people in our country uh, than we had, say, a decade ago. And so in order to expand our, our uh, capacity and in order to grow and to uh, prosper, then we have to move beyond our borders and be able to supply international markets. So is there anything else that comes to mind before I get to a more specific question that, that are challenges for the industry? Well, I think health is the other one and lots of concern about being able to provide a healthy product that meets what consumers are looking for. And pigs are naturally susceptible to various diseases. And with regards to making sure that you're producing this high quality, living up to the standards um, that are required in this global market. And if we don't have that high health status, the biosecurity that's needed to maintain these very productive herds, that's problematic. And there's always concern that there's another disease coming, that there's another something that's going to, uh, as we've just seen in China, where close to 50% of their domestic market has been, production has been actually destroyed because of, so, you know, uh, it's just the way it is with these very heavy diseases, be they PERS or, you know, uh, various PSE, various, dip, some of these are uh, diseases. And so I think that's the, the other major challenge is, is health. And I think that that highlights that, that I think what would surprise many people who who've never seen a hog farm or never wouldn't recognize one if they drove by it on the highway is is some of the biosecurity that has been implemented on these farms to to reduce the risk of infection, but also to ensure to allow for less interventions with products like antibiotics and that sort of thing. But, you know, people are showering. You can, Nobody can just walk in. You have to have a reason to be there. If you're there, you have to shower in. You have to shower out. The biosecurity in these facilities, I think, would surprise a lot of people. Yeah, I often say that the biosecurity to get into a hog farm is greater than it is to get into many of our, our uh, hospitals in Ontario. Uh, just to, for what you said, with regards to having to have an appointment, having to uh, remove and shower to get in, put on other sets of clothing, and then the same challenge when you come back out to shower, put on your street clothes again. 
very, very tight biosecurity, questions about uh, what your health has been like. Uh, so these are not wanting strangers there. Uh, often uh, feed trucks are kept at a distance. Transporters are, are meet them out on the road. You know, service people are uh, only by appointment and even there. Often they have to go through, they can't have been at other hog farms in the last 24 hours or 48 hours. So you, absolutely, these protocols are in place to maintain the safety and health of our, uh, of our herds. Ken, if you'd have told me, given what you said about the, uh, the disease outbreak in China and, and sort of the decimation of the, of the domestic herd, if you'd have asked me a year ago whether there was a risk of a global pandemic, I may well have said yes not because I anticipated COVID necessarily, but because uh, of the risk of some sort of animal zoonotic disease that pork industry, the beef industry, chickens, or other animals uh, spread across the country. So we need to work hard at controlling these sorts of outbreaks. Absolutely. Because where our country is so vast and because we are in different regions, the, the prairies, Ontario and Quebec, that gives us some biosecurity, you know, mainly the Canadian Shield going out west, not so much going to Quebec. But, uh, you know, given the mobility of people, the mobility of pork products, the fact that our world is so connected, it's very easy for us. To, we have to remain uh, vigilant in order to maintain the security that we need to keep herds safe. Yeah. On the topic of pandemics, what impact you know we've we, we've heard some sectors had had bigger impacts due to covid others have sort of marched on and not seen a whole bunch how has pork production in in canada and and north america even been impacted by by this covid pandemic i think uh, the north american pork industry has showed great resiliency it showed that uh, for the most part it's worked very well my initial concerns were, you know, obviously Canada-U.S. trade, making sure because with a third of our product going to the U.S. and especially the live animals, uh, if that market was to uh, stop, that would have huge impacts on uh, our, our pricing and what are we going to do with this mountain of pork. Much like when BSE hit Canada and the border was closed. That's right. Absolutely. If we weren't able to move the live animals or pork across to the U.S., that would have been a, a major, major problem, you know, with close to a third of our product going there. So that was my initial thought. That didn't come to fruition. We've been able to. I was also concerned about global trade. You know, what about other countries? How are they going to view this in terms of, uh, you know, are they still going to perceive Canada as being a, a supplier of high-quality, low-cost meats and proteins? And that uh, has worked out relatively well because every other, it's a global pandemic. So there's no place that's been immune. The real impact, I would argue, has been labor and the ability to, for packing plants um, to ensure that they have a stable labor force that's um, able to maintain uh, the kill uh, rates that they need, the slaughter capacity to, to be able to handle all the animals. A lot of our packing plants are, are very efficient. They would uh, perhaps be moving at a chain speed of maybe 1,000 to 1,200 hogs per hour. And uh, they're not necessarily built for 
in a COVID world where you need, you know, six physical distancing, you know, high hygiene, those sorts of things. Often that you're very close quarters, and so running a, a a very efficient packing plant becomes very difficult. But to, to the most part, been able to keep the labor force safe and uh, keep uh, COVID out of the plants. We've been lucky. We saw some examples in a couple of hog plants. We saw more highly publicized examples in in beef plants. And and what I, I I would echo your comments about resiliency, not just about pork, but but of the whole food system, and some of the procedures and protocols that they've put into place in in these plants uh, have really they've learned from outbreaks in other plants and and said, well, we if we can manage the people and we can manage the risk and reduce the risk of infecting other workers, we can keep production going. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that uh, it's a huge challenge, I think, to keep uh, a stable labor force of maybe 800 people or whatever whatever number you need for your, your plant and on a daily basis and to come up with that number of people that are um, acting and re- uh, living, taking low-risk activities to keep safe. Is, is a challenge and to make sure that uh, the plant is able to operate and able to maintain its uh, market commitments. Yeah. And and for the most part, the, the industry has done a very good job. Yes. In Ontario, there's been a slowdown at a couple plant, at one plant in particular, closed for, I think, a few days, but that's about it. Uh, there's been, uh, in a pork processing, there's been a plant in Quebec that's uh, taken a uh, a circuit break, if you will, for 14 days to, to stifle things. But uh, by and large, uh, the, the Canadian industry has been resilient and able to move hogs. If there was a case, there, there were times there were t- times when packing capacity was very strained, and so there were hogs that moved from PEI, I think, up into Quebec, and there were hogs that moved from Ontario out to Manitoba for slaughter. But uh, by and large, we were very fortunate that. Uh, animals were able to find a, a, a processing plant that had the capacity and put on some extra shifts to uh, to get to, uh, the animals uh, so that you don't get into these backlogs of big, heavy animals. Yeah, and that costs producers and the industry money. And so one of the real benefits of this sort of integrated market, both east-west but north-south, was that when we had sort of these pinch points in the system with either slowing or closing of a plant, we, the, the product continued to flow. Yes, that's right. And um, that was a, a real game changer to be able to still have, you know, especially for Manitoba where some, many, a lot of the um, farms there are produce early wing pigs to be shipped down to the U.S., and for uh, finishing and that would be it would have been a tough spot to not be able to find a place for those girl those hogs or those pigs to to finish off the the rest of the journey in terms of uh, pork production or feet into and find a way into the market um, for consumers yeah yeah well ken this has been a great conversation i i've learned some things and i think uh, it's been a great overview and introduction to the pork market is there anything that i should have asked you that i didn't i think maybe no i i think it's been great in terms of this global focus the the consolidation and the the technology and the complexity, the integration of the Canadian marketplace with the U.S. marketplace, which means our 
pricing is all based off the U.S. And I think it uh, really shows a system, a food system that's uh, very much uh, global and and very just a very uh, fascinating place and and prone to uh, swings and policies and. Uh, a very dynamic market and just a fascinating one to study and, and to observe. Yeah, it's it, it's not, I think, as simple as many people think uh, both farming and the food system is, is, is this this complex web of connections, this the many levers and uncertainties and, and the high risk nature, you know, uh, of, a, of a price taking market really does make it dynamic and interesting but sometimes sometimes challenging yes and uh, it's amazing to me this summer typically hog prices uh, pork prices are higher in the summertime and they were producers were losing money perhaps up to fifty dollars a hog and within a couple of weeks it's flipped the other way where producers were making fifty dollars a hog so it, it's a very dynamic system all depending on who's in the marketplace and what's going on with exchange rates. Perfect. Well, thanks very much for taking the time, Ken. And I look forward to uh, more conversations, both uh, recorded and unrecorded uh, as, as we go forward. So thanks for this. Thank you very kindly. As we wrap up another episode, I want to take a moment to thank Max Graham, We get to have the interesting discussions, and he does the hard work to make us sound good. I also want to thank Zach Von Masso for the original music that we use in the podcast. Check out foodfocusguelph.ca. We have a blog that is updated regularly and our Food Focus trend report as well. You can contact us through the website or at foodfocus at uoguelph.ca if you have any questions or suggestions. We appreciate our audience and your recommendation. It helps us grow. If you are so inclined, give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Reviews move us up the ladder and help others find us. That's it for now. Thanks again for listening and stay in touch.